Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear Hotline, and our cup runneth over with sports goodness. We got a series out west. We got another no-hitter. We got beef between two of the greatest players ever, and we got the great Dominique Wilkins. All that and more on this Friday. Time to do this. Here we go. Only one place to start. It means a lot just to, you know, just for those guys to trust me, to understand that whatever I'm doing is, is the best for the team. They jokingly call Lou Bill Belichick with all the series-turning adjustments he makes. George to the front court, left one block, got it to go off uh, We got great vets. Uh, everybody's locked in, getting everybody on the same page, getting everybody positive. You know, making adjustments, you know, sometimes it's, it's tough because adjustments mean some guys can't play. Could they do it again? The cardiac clippers, the comeback clippers. The shorthanded Clippers, coached by Ty Bill Belichick Lou, have come back from love, too, in two previous series, both their previous series. They lost both home games in games one and two in round one. And now they find themselves in a one-two series in which they absolutely should be up two games to one. They blew, I mean, just handed away game two in Phoenix. Maybe that was their opportunity to steal their one on the road. They could have done it, shouldn't done, should have done it, didn't do it, but we will see. They have life, and a lot of the credit is going to Ty Lue. It's fascinating that the coach is getting all of the credit for the comeback in a series in which it was an adjustment. It was a defensive blunder that might wind up costing his team a chance to win the championship. Again, I don't know how much of it you put on the coaches and how much you put on DeMarcus Cousins, that in the final point nine seconds of game two, he was guarding against the one thing you were praying the other team would do. But I digress. Let's not talk about what has happened. Let's talk about what happened last night. Without Kawhi Leonard, pretty insane that this team is back in it here. And it is interesting because one wonders, will the basketball gods intervene? Remember, this is a Clipper team that tanked the end of the regular season to avoid the Lakers. The Lakers got bounced out long before they had to deal with them, so it kind of worked. So here we are. And I would also ask this question, just how good is Phoenix? Let's remember, with Anthony Davis, the Lakers were on their way to beating them easily. Lakers' sons played each other in the first round of this playoff after the Lakers had beaten Golden State in the play-in tournament. Phoenix won game one. The Lakers took game two on the road, then won game three on their home floor by 14 points. Anthony Davis scored 68 in games two and three. Then he got hurt, and that was it. So at this point, Phoenix running off all those consecutive wins against a depleted Laker team, a depleted Nugget team. Again, no Jamal Murray there. We'll see. I'm not taking anything away from them. They've had an unbelievable series. Devin Booker has emerged as a terrific player, but they have frustrated him. They have sicked Pat Beverly on him, and he is definitely in Booker's head. And we talked a lot on TV this morning about how Devin Booker is very engaged with the officials. And when you're spending as much time complaining to the officials as he is, your mind might not be in the right place. And when you combine that with the mask that he's wearing on his face, he looks uncomfortable. He had only 15 points last night for a guy who we were talking about as the next Kobe Bryant a week ago. So these are the questions. Phoenix in a little bit of trouble? We'll see. We'll have the next game of that tomorrow night. Maybe the simplest thing we can say, you want to do straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless? Maybe it's just survival of the fittest at this point. As you look at this thing, maybe it's just which team will have five guys still standing at the end. I think if the Clippers had Kawhi, let me ask this before we get to anything else. 
Nuno, just jump in here before I get to my question of the day. If the Clippers had Kawhi Leonard, would they be the clear-cut favorite in your mind to win the championship considering who's left? Yes. All right, well, that's a direct answer. I like that. You know what I like about Nuno? You ask him a question, he gives you an answer. doesn't give you a lot of frills. Nuno, what's going on? Not much. Simple as that. <laughs> He's the king of not much. Anyway, I think that's right. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. I think with Kawhi Leonard, then if you look at the teams that are in the Final Four, I would right now be picking the Clippers. Without him, I think the thing is about as wide open as it can get. But meanwhile, you ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. I have the question of the day here, and it is this. Do you remember when we were worried about the three-point shooting overtaking the NBA? We had a lot of conversations about that during the course of the season, and I take back none of it. I think it has made the game less aesthetically pleasing. I also wonder if that was something that, like most things in analytics, work better in a marathon than in a sprint. I'm not sure if it's a function of luck, injuries, randomness, or what. But this regular season... The Milwaukee Bucks were 8th in the league in three-point shooting. The Clippers were 14th. The Suns were 15th. And the Hawks were 19th. Mm. And those are the four teams that remain in this battle for a championship. So is it possible that beyond luck, injuries, and randomness, the answer is three-point shooting is not the way to win a title in the NBA? So, Hembo, I gave you an assignment to give me some numbers. What do the numbers say about three-point shooting, volume three-point shooting, Mm -hmm. when it comes to this time of year? It's an interesting observation, Greeny. Last year, the Lakers won the championship. They ranked 21st in three-point shooting. The year before the Raptors— Say that again. I was just—the Lakers, they were 21st. They were 21st in three-point shooting Again, that's the bubble. Is there a part of us that wants to just— are we dismissing the things that happen in the bubble? I, I guess I'll just have to ask you that directly. Did the things that happen in the bubble, considering the extraordinary circumstances, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not diminishing the championship, congratulations to them. It was its own accomplishment, mm-hmm. and a, a great accomplishment of a different sort to win the title in the bubble. But when we look at statistical analysis of the things that happened, do we dismiss them because of the uniqueness of the circumstance? We don't dismiss them, but there's an ask, asterisk there for okay, sure. How fair enough. The year before. The Raptors won the championship. They ranked 11th in three-point okay, shooting. Okay, so that's all right, 11th. In the, in the year before that, the Rap, excuse me, the Warriors won the championship. They ranked 17th that year in three-point shooting. Isn't so, that strange that the Warriors with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and those guys ranked 17th in three-point shooting? But Kevin Durant made them more of a mid-range team. When they were at their best with him, they weren't a, a volume three-point shooting team like everyone else. So it seems clear that the way that teams play defense in the playoffs is a lot more ratcheted up because the, the, the schedule, the games matter, unlike the regular season, at least in some sense. So maybe scoring diversity matters more than just that you score. It's also how you score and how many ways you can score. That's interesting. And what were the highest, the three-point shooting teams this year? It was Utah, right? Was Utah, the number one? Yes, Utah was number one. I can pull up the, the, the whole list for you, but the Portland Trailblazers were another team up there. Most of those teams, the Warriors, another Those teams have all fallen by the wayside. Yeah, again, you have 8, 14, 15, and 19 Mm -hmm. in the league in three-point shooting that are left. There's a part of me that hopes that's right. There's a part of me that hopes that teams will look at this and say, we're not going to do this all season long because this isn't going to be the ticket to winning championships at the end because, frankly, the the, the volume three-point shooting is a lot less fun to watch then teams moving the ball a little bit. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer gives you multiple quote options so you can pick what's right for you. See for yourself at Progressive.com. Meanwhile, and then there were three in the NHL. The Canadians make the finals last night. 
And the game, I love the call of the game-winning goal. Take a listen to this. Ah oui, très bien, allons-y! <laughs> so Les Canadiens de Montréal! I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And, and I, there's nothing I love. The only thing I love more than a great call is a great call in another language. That was brilliant. I love hearing the, the calls in other languages and deciphering which words it is we understand. Now, I speak a little French. Mm -hmm. I, I spoke French uh, bordering on fluently as a child, but I've had such little occasion to use it since. Uh, but I, I understand it, and, and I, I can speak it a little bit. So one way or another, I'm excited about that. But I actually, as I was going through the notes, and this town is going crazy with the Islanders getting set to play Game 7 tonight. Here are two things I really enjoyed in the notes on this. First off, if you would bet before the playoffs began on Montreal, you'd be sitting pretty right now. Caesars Sportsbook by William Hill had Montreal 35-1 to to win the Cup, not before the season, before the playoffs. 35-1. to You put a hundred bucks on that, that'd be a pretty aggressive bet. You put ten bucks on that, you're feeling pretty excited. They right had now. the worst record of any team that made the playoffs. And here they are, four wins away from a championship. But then here's the note I really liked. As one who appreciates the history of sports, no Canadian based team has won the cup since the Canadians last won it in nineteen ninety three. The New York Rangers have won the Cup more recently than any Canadian team. And again, I want to make it clear. I don't mean a Canadiens team. I mean a Canadian team. Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal. No team in the birthplace and home of the game of hockey has won the Cup since 93. This is a 28-year drought. Before this drought, the longest the NHL had gone without awarding a Stanley Cup to a Canadian team was six years wow. between 1936 and 1941. Bear in mind, the Canadiens have won 24 Stanley Cups. The Canadiens franchise is older than the city of Las Vegas itself. They eliminated the Golden Knights last night. The Canadiens hockey franchise is older than the city of Las Vegas. 1917, that was their first season. So I'm kind of excited for them, and I'm rooting for the Islanders. I will go through that a little bit later today. The Islanders are the one New York team that I actually hated as a kid. Hmm. I'll talk about it a little bit. In-city, intra-city, inter-city, what's intra. the word? Intra-city rivalry is an interesting one for those of us from places like New York, Chicago, L.A., I guess, the few places that have multiple teams in, a sa in the same sport. The Islanders were the one team that genuinely was a rival to me. So we'll get into that as we go. But Game 7 tonight, D. Wood told us today on TV, he's flying down with the team. He's flying down to watch the Islanders in Tampa tonight. <laughs> I wonder if he's staying over Booger's house. Meanwhile, coming up next, are we seeing too much of one very good thing? That's the question. I'll have the answer right after this. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Glad to have you in the house. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests, oh, the great Dominique Wilkins. Later this morning on the Goodyear Hotline with the Atlanta Hawks. Three wins away from a trip to the NBA Finals. Last time that franchise won a championship, 1958. Dominique, probably the best player they've had since then, I guess. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I think he is. Off the top of my head, he certainly is. Anyway, we'll talk to him. Got a lot of things to do here. Are we seeing too much of a good thing? I'll answer that question in 30 seconds after this word from California Almonds. You want to be your best. Whether being your best means the best bingo player in the office or the best volleyball player on the planet. And to do that, you're going to need some help. Your teammate to tackle anything and everything. A handful of almonds have six grams of plant-based protein, and they're an excellent source of vitamin E and magnesium. It's the snack you need to keep your head in the game and your body energized. So whether you're going for the gold or another round of bingo, refuel with almonds, California almonds. Own your every day, every day. Kimbrell is ready, and the 0-2. Swing and a miss. The Cubs have done it. A combined no-hitter for the first time. In the long and legendary history of the Chicago Cubs. And the Cubs win the ball game by a score of four to nothing. Zach Davies, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, and Craig Kimbrell combine on a no-hitter, the 17th no-hitter in franchise history. That was the call on the Cubs radio network, and you heard all of the story there. Eight walks, no hits for the Dodgers last night against the Cubs. But the problem is, well, there are a number of problems. One of them certainly is that when the play-by-play announcer, who did his job and did a fine job of it, has to start listing all of the pitchers who just threw the no-hitter, it unquestionably doesn't sound the same as, Nolan Ryan has thrown a no-hitter! Or, Don Drysdale has thrown a no-hitter! Or, Clayton Kershaw has thrown a no-hitter! Or, even some rent Mike Greenberg has thrown a no-hitter! <laughs> Sounds better than when he starts listing off the names of people, two of whom I've never heard of. So we got problems with that. So I bring Hembo into the conversation here. I'll give you the green light on this. That's the seventh no-hitter that we've seen in baseball. You told us before the season began. Again, we told you before Mm -hmm. the start of the season that this record would be broken. But it's going to be obliterated. The record for no-hitters in a season is eight. Said in 1884... That was the first year they started throwing pitches overhand in Major League Baseball. I'm not kidding. That's an actual statistic and a true description of the situation. There have now been seven this year, and it is June 25th. Crazy. Hembo, what's the deal? (laughs) Well, the deal is, as we've been saying for months, it's never been harder to get a hit 
in the history of baseball than it is right now. And I think a lot of people assumed that now that baseball is trying to wrap their arms around these foreign substance issues that all of a sudden offense is going to skyrocket. And I suppose that was a possibility. But the league is hitting 231 this week. So it's not as if this is happening immediately like, we, like some of us thought it would. So I don't see any reason to believe that we might not get 10, 12, or 15 no-hitters like we predicted earlier in the season. Although this, to me, hardly seems worth celebrating. Like you said, it was four pitchers. It was eight walks. They threw 152 pitches. I'm not even sure this is noteworthy. I get it. It is definitely noteworthy. But what it isn't is what we're accustomed to thinking of right. a no-hitter as being. Now, I'm not one who's poo-pooing no-hitters. If one pitcher throws nine no-hit innings, and again, I, we actually have had eight no-hit games because one of them didn't count because it was, I forgot, who, who threw that? It was uh, Bumgarner. It was Madison Bumgarner threw a seven-inning no-hitter in a game that was only scheduled to go seven innings. So we really have had eight, but that's neither here nor there. There is something that is diminished for me. I don't really care that much about the walks. There is something that's a little bit diminished for me when you just keep changing pitches. Like, isn't there a part of you that what say to yourself, like, why are you taking a pitcher out who's thrown 94 pitches if he hasn't allowed a hit? <laughs> like, I mean, is, is, that, is, that, is that, I don't know. I wasn't there last night, obviously, so I didn't have a chance to ask the question of David, of our old buddy David Ross. Right. But it, it does seem to me as though if you've thrown 94 pitches and you've not yet allowed a hit, I'd at least send him out there for another inning. No? Well, he wasn't even throwing that well. He had allowed five walks. He only had four strikeouts. Yeah. Managers don't care about this stuff, so why should I? If, 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 you're, if, you're, if your pitcher has thrown six no-hit innings, with five walks, you don't, and, and that's his, and he's uh, hit his pitch count, and he doesn't care for him to try and complete the no hitter. Then why should I care about a no hitter with four guys, 152 pitches, and eight walks? To me, it's it's not even a well pitched game. It's just a it's just a poorly hit game, if that's a decent way of saying. <laughs> that's right. It. Last <laughs> night the hitting was worse than the pitching. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but but it was markedly worse. I mean, a no hitter is a no hitter. Like I, I don't, I can't make up my mind. Let me bring Bubba into this question, uh, and I and I, I particularly want to ask Bubba this. Because many may not know this, but before his you know, now long run in radio production, uh, Bubba worked in the marketing department for multiple major league teams. He understands selling mm. this stuff. I, I, I believe um, that he started out by working for Bill Veck. If I have this right. Was it Charlie Finley? I, no, I, no, I think he was right under Bill Veck, who, mm. who really is considered to be the first great public relations owner. So anyway, I, I would ask you, Bubba, is the no-hitter diminished by the fact that A, there were eight walks, and B, there were four different pitchers? I would say yes. I'd say the whole the whole new header, no hitter has been diminished, as you've been talking about, because there's one basically every night. Or, <laughs> or at least there's the threat of one every night. I'm on all these emails every single night from TV saying, hey, there's a no hitter alert. Can you route the radio calls? And I feel like we get that every single night because in the seventh inning there's like three teams that have a no hitter going <laughs> they're just automated it's now. just yeah it's, it's basically just all right we'll just send every radio call because it's just yeah it's just diminished it's not even a special thing anymore i uh, see yes and no here's what i'd like to ask i'd like to ask people who are in the ballpark now again this is a, i've never been there's a lot of things in life i've never done or seen the thing i'd like to do most is a hole in one i would like to make a hole in one um, the thing I've never been in the building for is a no-hitter, and I've, I'd love to. I've told you before, I was there 
uh, the Cubs in April of like 93 or 4 or something like that. Now, it wouldn't have been April 94 because there was no April of 94. Um, but wh- whatever year it was, a very, very, very long time ago, I had a pitcher named Jose Guzman who had a no-hitter with two outs in the ninth broken up by Otis Nixon. And I was in the ballpark for that. And I've, like everyone else, I've been there for no-hit bids that went into the sixth, into the seventh. I think there's nothing more exciting. Like, I think there's nothing more exciting. So my question is, is it less exciting now in the ballpark? Like, is the crowd, mm. is the home crowd standing and cheering and chanting on every single pitch? Is that still happening? Best I can tell, because obviously not all the stadiums are full to capacity. Yes, the crowd is really into it. But remember when it was the Corey Kluber no-hitter, and there were people giving Michael Kay a hard time about being too excited for right. it. So maybe fans really aren't as into it as they used to be. No, I think those people are being silly. I'm, I'm not sure. willing to cast aside a no-hitter. Last night, I, I would say, is... I'll say I'll be as unenthusiastic about that as I could possibly be about a no-hitter, but I still think it is worthy of discussion. The word combined is what makes it complete, almost a, a, like a, a non-story for me. Like a pitcher throwing nine right. no-hit innings Correct. is one it's thing. Not a, it's not a person's accomplishment. It is not. It, and this isn't meant to be a team accomplishment. <laughs> Correct. So that, that's, that's, that, therein lies the rub. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, uh, this is Greeny reminding you that if you ever miss any of our show here, we're live two hours coast to coast every single day. ESPN Radio, we want you to listen. If you are not able to, there's two different things I'll remind you of. One, we also stream every single day live on ESPN+. Plus, and then you can catch up with it anytime you want to because um, it lives for the rest of the day. So you can watch anytime you want. The other thing I'll remind you of is that we are also a podcast. And the podcast gets posted every single day, both hours posted individually as one-hour podcast available wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, next order of business. I'm sorry, what? 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 I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? All right, so we have beef. We have beef between two of the greatest players of all time. We have beef between Scottie Pippen and Kevin Durant. And I think there is a lot to unpack in this. Let's start with what Scottie Pippen said. Scottie Pippen, in an interview with GQ, which is fascinating. I actually read all of it yesterday. Mm. Scottie Pippen did an interview with GQ because he's launching a line of, like, a bourbon. Um, and so he did this interview, and he has a book coming out this fall, and which I think is going to be really interesting. I'm really curious to hear what Scottie Pippen has to say about his entire time in Chicago with Jordan and everything else. This interview is much less about that than it was about other things, including he talked about Kevin Durant. And he was, I'm not going to read you the whole thing because they're lengthy, but he was generally critical of Durant, or at least he wasn't as effusive in his praise of Durant as pretty much everyone else has been, suggesting that what Durant didn't do in that series against Milwaukee was get all his teammates involved enough that LeBron would have done that, that LeBron wouldn't have been exhausted at the end because he would have figured out how to use the other pieces on his team to win that series and might not have been exhausted at the end. That's his opinion. He's entitled to it. I haven't found a single person who agrees with it. I asked Tim Legler about it, P.J. Carlesimo, Kendrick Perkins, and Jalen Rose, all of them on television this morning, and not one of them thought Scotty was right, and I will add mine to that. I think he's dead wrong. There are no words to describe how strongly I disagree with him. Doesn't mean he's not entitled to his opinion. Obviously, he's entitled to his opinion. I disagree with it. In the meantime, if there's one thing we know about Kevin Durant, it is that he's not one to take things lying down. <laughs> he, he, is, he is, as Mike Tannenbaum described Aaron Rodgers this way, and I would describe KD this way, he's easily aggrieved. He unqu- you knew he would not take kindly to this. 
So this GQ interview got posted, and like 11 minutes later, KD had tweeted at Scottie Pippen twice, and he went there. He went right to Scottie's two biggest weaknesses. Scottie's biggest weakness is not that he was Robin, that he was the second best player on historically great teams. That's not a weakness. Scottie Pippen is a, a first ballot Hall of Fame top 50 all-time player who, if anything, I think is underappreciated as an all-time great. His two weaknesses are the 1.8 seconds when he didn't go in the game when Phil draws up a play for Coach, and then the fact that they, show, and they showed this in Last Dance, that he chose to get surgery at the start of a season rather than during the summer because he was aggravated about his contractual situation his last year in Chicago, the, the 97-98 season. All of that was in Last Dance. And, and so Kevin Durant tweets about both of those. So here's what I will say. I don't love the back and forth. And look, I'm a professional sports broadcaster. I'm in the interesting business, so I'm all for interesting things happen. And obviously, if if KD and Scottie Pippen are going to be going into a war of words, well, who am I to complain about that? But do I think it's beneath them? Yes, I've had this conversation a million times. I think Kevin Durant getting involved in this social media nonsense, in my opinion, is beneath him. But if you follow him on Twitter, he does it every day, and he does it with – he does it with Scottie Pippen, and he does it with just random people who tweet things he doesn't like, uh, some of whom I've, I've checked, some of whom have like less than 100 followers. He gets into it. And when people tell him, KD, stop doing this, on Twitter, he'll say, hey, don't tell me what to do with Twitter. I, I can do whatever I want. This is what I want to do. I'm doing it. Shut up. Fair enough. Who am I to tell him how he should tweet? It's, it's, my, it's my place to give an opinion, I guess. But he shouldn't care about that, and I'm sure he doesn't. So... Regardless of the fact that I think it's beneath him, here's what I will say, because I was in the building when it happened. It was May of 94, and it is one of the great playoff series of all time. Scottie Pippen had put together a season that I believed was worthy of MVP. That was the year Michael Jordan had retired and left. And Scottie Pippen led the Bulls to a great season, and he was brilliant that whole year. And he was doing as much to emerge from the shadow of Michael Jordan as you could possibly do. And I'm here to tell you that if they win that series, they were going to win the championship. I will always believe that team would have won the title. They would have beaten Indiana, and then they would have beaten Houston. I can't prove it. We'll never know. And that series is one that has this crazy, the Hugh Hollins call. But that's a whole different, that's a whole different situation. But the Bulls were about to get swept. The Bulls were on the verge of getting swept in that series. They're down 2 nothing to the Knicks. They're at the very end of Game 3, and Phil calls up a play for Tony Kukoc. And Scotty refuses to go in the game. I'm in the building. Bill Cartwright is sitting on the bench screaming at Scotty. If you go back and look at old clips of that, Bill Cartwright is enraged that Pippen will not go back in the game. And I've said this many times, and I have great respect for Scotty. I covered him at his absolute apex. He was great with me. I've, I've maintained a friendly relationship with him. I like him, but I've said many times, that is his worst moment by far, and it is one of the most inexcusable things I've ever seen a great player do in a game. This is a playoff game with your season on the line, and the coach called up a play you didn't like, and he refused to go in the game. And Tony Kukoc saved Scotty's reputation. Tony Kukoc, in what he then did, was as significant for Scottie Pippen and the way we remember him as Michael Jordan ever was. 
Because with 1.8 seconds left, they got the ball into Kukoc, and he knocked down a tough shot at the buzzer to win. That game was played on a Friday night. They came back and played a Sunday afternoon game. I was covering that team for Chicago Sports Talk. All right, I was on the Chicago Sports Talk radio station at that time. And that Saturday, Scottie Pippen was getting skewered, but they'd won the game. They came back, they won on Sunday, and it, it, there was only like 36 hours between those two games, and it became a distant memory because they won that game, game four on Sunday. They went to New York, and they had the Knicks dead to rights, and Hugh Hollins called a foul that gave Hubert Davis foul shots that to this day lives in infamy in Chicago. And people remember that series for that. In Chicago, that's the Hugh Holland series, much more than it is the 1.8-second series because they won that game. But I've talked about this a million times. If Tony Kukoc misses that shot and they lose that game in overtime, they are definitely getting swept. And I'm not sure Scottie Pippen can come back. I'm not sure Pippen could play in Chicago again the next year. This whole Ben Simmons thing, Ben Simmons refused to shoot because it's in his head. Scottie Pippen refused to go in the game. So all of the criticism of that is 100% justified. It's 100% valid. It's one moment in a great career. It does not invalidate his greatness. But it is, the criticism of it is all completely legitimate. And so for Kevin Durant to go there, I find that fascinating. Because Scottie Pippen didn't attack him personally. He didn't insult his family. He didn't, you know, he, he said, I believe LeBron would have handled this differently. And Kevin Durant just went right for the jugular. He went right for his weakest spot. He went right to the Achilles. Because that is one of the worst moments I've ever seen an all-time great have. And I've said it a million times. Tony Kukoc saved everything, changed everything. Basketball history it was completely rewritten by that shot going in. Because if it doesn't, I think it is remembered thoroughly differently. No one knows at that point that Jordan is coming back. I'm not sure Scottie Pippen could have been on the team the next year if they had gotten swept. And then who knows what it is Jordan's coming back to. So everything is rewritten. That, that 1.8 seconds is about the most consequential two seconds in basketball history when you consider everything that came as a result of it. So there you have it. So KD goes right at him. And it was, it was crazy. And, you know, it, 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 is, it is fascinating to me that KD has this beef with him and is just willing to go there on something like that, something that was as comparatively benign as what it is Scotty said to him. It's almost like if I say to you, hey, Hembo, I don't like your shirt, and then you say to me, oh, really? And punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that is kind of the way this thing went. In the meantime, I can offer, um, I think what can only be described as proof that Hembo is not a human being. And I will do so next, right here on uh, ESPN Radio after this word from Straight Talk Wireless, this moment of straight talk. We've all been there. You have some real work to do, but the free Wi-Fi where you're working isn't going to cut it. It's like leaving the winning runner stranded on third base. Not good. Well, now you can be your own hotspot with Straight Talk's ultimate unlimited plan. Get 10 gigs of hotspot data for just 55 bucks a month, all on America's largest, most dependable networks. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Compatible device required. See straighttalk.com. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. The great Dominique Wilkins live in 45 minutes here. The Hawks. Three wins away from the NBA Finals. Meanwhile, a weekend preview brought to you by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation. Game two of that Eastern Conference Final is tonight. Game three, excuse me, game four of the Western Conference Final is tomorrow night on ESPN TV and ESPN Radio. Obviously, tons of baseball. And then there's game seven tonight with the Islanders and the Lightning we had Damian Woody tell us he's flying down there today for the game. That winner will face Montreal. We played that really fun. Let's play it again. What the heck? If, if a guy is going to yell and scream in French, I'm going to listen to it a second time. Oh, très bien. Uh, the, the one thing I will say is I'm rooting for the Islanders. This town's going crazy. We do this show out of, out of lower Manhattan. We're in New York. And, and the city is going, is very into this. And I think that there's, there are a lot of reasons for mm. it, but I'm just trying to think it's since the pandemic, well, I'm, what am I talking about? The pandemic is just ending now. Like mm-hmm. this is the first time this city has had a real chance to celebrate something big. And everywhere I go, people are talking about the Islanders, which is great. Good for them. I will say this. There aren't too many sports fans to whom this apply. You pretty much have to have grown up in New York, Chicago, maybe L.A. I'm trying to think. What other cities have multiple teams in the same sport? Philadelphia had two baseball teams back in the, with the A's. It's a very long time yeah. ago. I mean, Chicago at one time had two football teams. Right. But they've got the Cubs and the White Sox. The Yankees have multiple teams. I mean, excuse me. New York has multiple teams in pretty much every sport. So I don't know if this is – where in Florida are you talking about? I mean, the state of Florida has multiple teams, but – I mean, you know, those are different cities, Brandon. <laughs> just, Brandon, he just yelled out Florida. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Brandon is wearing sweatpants, by the way, he and is. refuses to acknowledge their very sweatpants. Strange. We had an entire debate during our break over whether or not these are what he's wearing are sweatpants. And what I've determined is they are cotton pants with a drawstring, but they aren't actually sweatpants. So they look like sweatpants, but aren't as comfortable as sweatpants. So they're actually a huge mistake. If everyone thinks you're wearing sweatpants and you are not, that's worse. What you want are sweatpants that are comfortable like that, but don't look like sweatpants. Whereas opposed to the opposite, which is everyone is like, oh, he's wearing sweatpants. And he's like, no, I'm not. That to me strikes me as the worst of all possible worlds. You told me a couple of weeks ago that a new fashion trend is men 
wearing drawstring pants, but yes. they're dress pants. Correct. Have we gotten more to the bottom of this? No, no that is a thing now. Brunello Cuccinelli is doing those. I see them all the time. Do you have a pair? I don't. You no. don't? Uh, no, I asked Stace if I could pull them off, and she said, and I quote, no. <laughs> End quote? So I didn't buy them. <laughs> but, but, but I don't think what, I would not describe what he's wearing as dress pants. <laughs> No, what Brandon is wearing are these are not dress pants. <laughs> There's like a camouflage pinstripe down the. They side look as well. like and uncomfortable. Why are we talking about anything other than your ridiculous shirt right now? <laughs> we could be talking about Hembo's shirt. Hembo is wearing a shirt that I mean, an eight-year-old like, would wear to a birthday party. Hembo, what is happening there? He's, okay. he, for those of you not watching on TV, he is wearing a shirt. That an eight-year-old would wear to your birthday party. I think that's right. That's right, but I can't explain why. I hope so. This is a very important day in my life. This is a day in which I'm going to party, Greeny, because this is the day that the UFO report is going to be released by the Pentagon. I'm wearing my party shirt. I'm going to print that PDF in full when I get back home, and I'm going to read it, and that's, well, that's my party. It sounds kind of lame when I say it out loud, but that's what I'm doing today. There are so many. party shirt? Yeah. This is my party shirt. Like this, would you not describe this as a party shirt? How else would you describe this? I would describe it as an eight-year-old party shirt. I would not. I mean, you mean if I went to a party right now Uh and you said you have to wear this shirt, I would not go to the party. (laughs) I would sooner not go to the party. What if it were at Chuck E. Cheese or someplace like that? I mean, I I wouldn't. My kids wouldn't want me to be the dad who wore that shirt. I'll be honest with you. This morning when RCP Pete McConville asked me to go on Get Up for the first time and give a 30 second baseball take, I didn't want to because I did not want him to see me wearing this shirt. And yet, but and so what made you wear the shirt to work? Because it's my party shirt and today's a today's worthy of a party. When you say it's your party shirt, what does that mean? It means I'm going to party. Like I, I got good vibes on Friday. It's a beautiful summer day. The UFO report is coming out. I know. Well, we may have gotten to the bottom of why Hembo is so excited about UFOs. I think you are an alien. I'm not convinced that you are from this earth. And I'll explain why. I've got, we, we've subsetted. We, we, have, we, have, we have too many different <laughs> tangents that we've lost ourselves in. So now we've, we've subsetted into Hembo's shirt and Brandon's pants. But I never got to finish my previous thought. So let me finish that and then we'll get to the rest of it. I don't hate the Islanders anymore is what I'm trying to tell you. I forgot you were doing that. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I forgot. I forgotten. that's what I was talking about. But here's what I'm saying. When you're a kid who grows up in a town with two teams in a sport, most people hate, those, hate the other team. So in Chicago, Cub fans and, and White Sox fans, they hate each other. The rivalry there is extraordinary. And when the White Sox, I was actually surprised at how many Cubs fans celebrated the White Sox winning. Hmm. I know the White Sox fans didn't celebrate the Cubs winning. That's for damn sure. In New York, the Yankee and the Met fan generally tend to hate each other. The Knicks and the Nets, that's, I don't think the Nets have ever been relevant enough to a, a Nick fan to worry about it. The Jets and the Giants is the point I was going to make. Hmm. I'm obviously a Jet fan. I never hated the Giants. They were in separate conferences that didn't have anything to do with each other. When the Giants beat the Patriots in both of those Super Bowls, I celebrated like, like it was I had just won. Mm. I, I was rooting for the Giants like crazy. I would much rather have seen the Giants win than the Patriots win. The one rivalry that did matter to me in my, in my childhood was, was the Islanders because the Islanders were great. The Rangers were really good. I was a hockey fan as a kid. I'm not as big as the other sports, but I did follow it, and I will remember those teams forever. Phil Esposito was on those Ranger teams, and Dave Maloney and Don Maloney and Nick Fatio and Ron Duguay and all those guys, and they would always play the Islanders incredibly tough and then lose. That was when the Islanders won four cups in a row. So that was the one team in town I actually hated. And so as they are making this run now, it fascinates me to the degree that I'm, I'm focused on it. I'm rooting for them. Mm. And I think it is because I'm just excited to see people excited. 
Like, you know, you go into a restaurant and people are like, Green Islanders tonight. I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> you know, like, like, it's just nice to see people excited about something. So I'm rooting for them tonight. I'm sure that'll mean a lot to them. Um, Damian Woody is rooting for them to the extent that I believe he flew down on the team He's like plane. He's chaplain now. One way or another, Dominique Wilkins in the next hour and Hembo in his party shirt is an alien. We'll explain next. <laughs> 